God and Us is a podcast where we share stories, your story, my story, our story, the stories of tragedy and sorrow, the stories of triumph and joy, the stories where God meets our beautiful mess. We invite you to enter this safe space, find the quiet, the stillness, and let me tell you a story. I remember the day he came to us. A wild wind ushered him into my father's arms. The embrace of kinsmen jostling and rough as the sand that clawed at my eyes and sank beneath my cracked lips. From that day forward, my eyes searched for him. In the open field as warm light kissed the earth awake, a silhouette with staff in hand against the horizon. Near the water's edge, as he knelt beside a young lamb, shaking beneath the weight of new legs, still wrapped in the silk satin of birth. Beside the dance of firelight, as song and smoke closed our eyes to the pain left by the plow, the staff, the constant search for survival. In every place, in light and shadow, Life radiated from beneath his caramel skin. I was drawn to that life. He was so unlike the others, the men of our tribe whose days were consumed by work and whose nights were consumed by drink. Where they were rough and calloused, he was gentle and soft, like the fabric I kept buried in my tent reserved for the day I was wed, the day when his eyes would search for me as I rose from the folds of my mother's tent, my skin bathed in oil, my body wrapped in silk, whose colors of dusk, orange and pink, move and shift as I glide towards him. Lavender still lingers on my hair as it caresses my shoulders and neck. He searches for me. He sees me. I am beautiful. That was the dream that coaxed me to sleep those first few months. He was so thoughtful. He was kind. Every glance, every word, every acknowledgement became a tangible force that left me intoxicated with hope. My dreams grew more vivid. My confidence astounded even me. Every time my father drew him close for a whisper, a word, or a walk, I knew that this must be the moment my life would change. I just knew that his kindness meant more than anyone acknowledged. I just knew that he saw me. I just knew. It was amazing how in one moment something was nothing. I remember the day my eyes searched for him. I did not find him. I found them. 
them with their arms locked in the embrace of lovers jostling and rough, grasping for one another. My eyes burned. Tears erupted from between my clenched eyelids until the chill of water poured down my cheeks, red hot with anger, embarrassment. Tears of hatred spilt for her because she captivated his eyes. Tears of hatred spilt for me because I was not her. I ran, far from the sickening, maddening feeling of rejection, far from the images that would not leave my mind despite the frantic convulsions of my body as I cried. I tried to drive away the sorrow. I ran until I collapsed near the outskirts of our settlement. My face and hands caked with the dirt that clung to my tears. I lost time. I lost feeling. I lost the will to grieve what could have been. I lay there, lost. My father cautiously laid his hand on my shoulder, like a hunter approaching a wounded animal, fearful of retaliation, fearful of that spark of life. But there was no life here. I don't remember the exact words he spoke. At first, they were just a distant gush of wind pulsing against my ear until I heard it. At first, faint but growing in clarity, I heard it. Hope. Hope. My father offered me hope that there was still a chance that he and I could become one that we could have a future together. Hope that all he needed was the opportunity to be with me. Hope that he would grow to love me. And I couldn't help myself. Forgive me, but I couldn't help myself. Like a wanderer, desperate for water to survive, I needed that hope. And in that moment, while my skin crawled with thirst, it didn't matter that all my father offered me was a mirage. I remember my wedding day. The feel of that rich silk brought from the shadows of my tent to adorn my skin. Drops of sweet nectar traveled down my arms. Lavender clung to my hair, harsh, intoxicating but I did not rise from my mother's tent to greet my husband. I walked in shadow, beyond the touch of firelight, where the rhythm of a drum could not match the cadence of drunken laughter and song. I didn't touch a single pomegranate at my own wedding feast. My heart soon overpowered the music that surrounded me until I reached the tent. I darted inside lest I risk the notice of a wayward eye. I saw the bed. Breathe. Just breathe. I demanded my insides that threatened to rip me apart. I approached the bed, pulled aside the thick fabric meant to keep two bodies warm on this night. Breathe. Just breathe. I sat there. My back straight. Sweat pooling at the back of my neck. Waiting for him. Waiting for him. That night... He became my husband, and I became his wife.
His eyes were clouded by the wine my father assured me would make the switch possible. He was still so soft, so gentle. He kissed me. He touched me. And I felt hope rising to match his deep, slow breaths as he slept beside me. That night, he loved my body, but he never saw me. I never dreaded the dawn before that day. Its warm touch was always comforting, always sweet. But on that day, that brilliant light revealed our treachery. With the veil lifted from his eyes and the dawn illuminating my face, he saw me. He knew that I was not her. And in that moment, his eyes, his fingertips, his whole body jolted away from me in revulsion. A king recognizing the bitter dust of poison in his drink. His fists clenched, his rage palpable, daring to melt my skin from my bones. And worst of all, he turned away from me. He left me alone, lost again, all hope stripped from me. And I discovered the oasis with its lush pool was only sand pouring from between the cracks in my hands. For one week, for one week, I was a wife. A hated, unwanted wife. After one week, they were wed at the center of a riotous cry of laughter, song, dance, and feasting. After one week, I became the hated, unwanted first wife. And even on those precious nights when he came to my bed, I could only trick myself for so long. Beneath the cover of darkness and shadow, I could be someone else. I could be someone he loved. But the light revealed too much. It revealed all that I was not, and his eyes never lingered on me. He never saw my desperation, my trembling hand as it reached out for him, grasping for the empty presence he left behind. He never searched for me. He never saw me. I was never beautiful. Genesis chapter 29. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he hurried to meet him. He embraced him and kissed him and brought him into his home. And there Jacob told him all these things. And Laban said to him, you are my own flesh and blood. After Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. 
The name of the older was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. And Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed only a few days to him because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to make love to her. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob made love to her. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week and we will then give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Jacob made love to Rachel also and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord has heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one also. So she named him Simeon. And again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So he was named Levi. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. When we tell this tale to our children, or to ourselves. We focus on those two lovers who faced years of work and toil to be united as one. Jacob and Rachel, they're always the main characters, and their love takes the place of honor as the centerpiece of this story. But there is an even greater love that flows just beneath the surface a current that gently tugs on every word, a steady stream of compassion and kindness. It's the love that God has for Leah. Leah. This woman 
used by her father, betrayed by her sister, and hated by her own husband. You have to believe this is not the story she pictured for herself. To be forever remembered as the unwanted one. When no one saw her, the text tells us that the Lord saw Leah. The Lord saw Leah. He saw that she was unloved, unwanted. He saw the treatment she endured from others. He saw. But he did more than stand as a witness to her affliction. Our God gave action to his compassion, and he offered Leah this most precious gift for a Hebrew woman, a gift that gave her honor in her culture. A gift that set her apart from other women. God granted her a son. He gave her four sons. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. But each time a child is born to her, you hear it in the naming of her children that she still clings to the hope that Jacob will finally, after cradling a son in his arms, Choose to love her. Choose to see her. Choose to be attached to her. It seems out of the reach of her vision to consider that the Lord sees, he hears, and he claims us. But in the naming of her last son, we finally witness that spark of recognition. As Leah says, this time I will praise the Lord. And so his name is Judah. It seems out of the reach of our vision to consider that the Lord sees, he hears, and he claims us. Who is holding your hope? Who is determining your worth, your value? Who are you trusting with your life? Mm